Hello and welcome to another episode of Casted Into the Fire. I'm on with Bill again. Hello. And um, we're starting the first Tyrion uh, point of view chapter. Yep. And so uh, Tyrion is um, in the library reading a book and um, listening to wolves, a wolf howling outside and um, thinking thoughts about how the howling of a wolf um, takes him out of the here and now and puts him in the dark forest of the mind, running naked before the pack. Okay, Terry, and that's interesting. Okay, uh, but it's a dire wolf, not a wolf. And that seems to be a distinction that a lot of people seem to not get in Game of Thrones. And I don't know if that's on purpose from George R. R. Martin's point of view, if he doesn't understand that dire wolves are indeed very, 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 very different from wolves. Or if he thinks they're just bigger wolves, or whether or not he is just I think, making a point I think that, George R.R. is enough of a nature guy to... So, in that case, he's probably making a point that wolves are actually... Like, he, people can't tell the difference between dire wolves and regular wolves. Because they make... There's multiple points of confusion with that. So... Now, he's reading in the library, and there's a septum... Um, so a priest of the, um, Faith of the Seven, just sleeping in the library too with his head in an open book. Yeah. And, uh, Tyrion takes a look at the title and it's A Life of the Grand Maester Ethelmure. So no wonder, uh, the Septon is sleeping. Yeah, but it's also, uh, it's, yeah. Um... And so Tyrion wakes up this uh, Septon and um, says he's going to go off and uh, have breakfast. And he says, you know, to return the books to the shelf and, um, you know, be gentle with the Valyrian scrolls because the parchment is dry. and um, Yeah, and it's uh, M M. M, how do you say that? I don't know. Aramidon? Aramidon. That makes sense. Aramidon's Engines of War. So it's, it's quite rare and the only complete copy Tyrion has ever seen. And we're, we're only left to guess wondering what that is exactly. I bet it's like siege stuff. It probably right? is, but who knows what there is. I'm sure knowing George R. R. Martin, he's probably going to put some sort of crazy semi-modern contraption in that or something. Oh yeah, he leaves the library tower and and it goes out and it's cold outside and um he sees um he sees the hound and Joffrey out there and Joffrey being the little jerk he is um at least he dies quietly it's the wolf that makes the noise I couldn't could scarce sleep last night so being a jerk about Bran. Yeah, and and uh, and uh, Sandor is saying how the boy is taking a long time dying and wish he'd be quicker about it. Um, and uh, he could silence the wolf if it pleases Joffrey. And, um, and Joffrey, yeah, Joffrey thinks that's hilarious. And... Well, he, yeah, he says dog to kill a dog. And he, he just understands the hound's name. And 
See, again, this is the whole thing. It's like Joffrey doesn't understand the difference between a wolf and a dire wolf. And I guess that's the point. He's stupid. And I'm sure the hound maybe understands the difference. He doesn't understand the difference between a dog and a dire wolf. Yeah. So either way, though, the hound doesn't care and Joffrey doesn't understand the difference. Winterfell is so infested with wolves. The the Starks would never miss one. And... uh, Tyrion says he begs to differ because the Starks can uh, count past six, unlike some princes that he might name. Yeah, so he's immediately coming out and uh, dissing uh, Joffrey. And I guess to Sandor's credit, he uh, he makes a very sarcastic amar- remark of, you know, the classic, oh, who's there? Who's there? I can't see. And of course, you know, Tyrion's down there and he just didn't see him from d- uh, up there. Um, and again, I'm sure... The way with Tyrion's reaction confirms it, I'm sure, with the rest of that, is that, you know, he's heard that probably a thousand more times. And, um, yeah, he tells Joffrey that he should go to, um, Lord and Lady Stark and offer them comfort for their, you know, son being injured. And Joffrey's all like, what good's that gonna do? And Tyrion says, it's not gonna do any good, but it's what's expected of you and you're absence has been noted and there uh, Tyrion you know goes on about how he can't uh, stand the wailing of women and Joffrey says that yeah no, not Tyrion Joffrey and then and... Tyrion hits him yep slap Joffrey um, he, he he does that of course that's like one of those things that the makes... popular gift moment from the yeah. show uh... yeah a lot of people like that from the show a lot of people I'm sure liked reading that um, and Joffrey, of course, you know, screams and, you know, is all, I'm going to tell mother. I mean, yeah, you could make something off that Joffrey's parenting is either getting indulged or getting slapped and he doesn't get actual leadership. But, yeah, slapping Joffrey is kind of a, a moment know, there. He doesn't care. He says, tell your mother and first uh, get yourself to Lord and Lady Stark and fall on your knees and beg forgiveness all that good stuff. Um, and Tyrion's being very forceful. And, you know, he can, of course, that calls to image, you know, the fact that Tyrion, you know, he's smaller, but he's older. And he's, you know, very clearly, you know, disciplining a younger member of his family, trying to actually make him behave decently. And Joffrey... Joffrey does, you know, he he is pretty submissive. He he looks as he's about to cry and said nods nods his head. Um, but you can tell he's uh going to resent it. And Clegan, uh, absolutely points out. He says the young prince will remember that little lord, and Tyrion wants him to. But of course, the implication being. Uh, who knows what's going to happen, how that he's going to actually remember that. And uh, Tyrion asks where he can find his brother Jamie and uh, breaking fast with the Queen. So, uh, yeah, they go to the guest house and they're having a cold, cheerless breakfast. We should probably, but we should probably elaborate on the uh, Lannisters' relationship here. Uh, how. The difference is, is that, you know, they, they have all three very different relationships. Tyrion, you know, can't stand Cersei, but him and Jamie seem to get along pretty well. 
uh, in both the book, you know, the book and the show, it seems to be a consistency that, you know, they actually like each other. Uh, but, and, you know, Jamie's relationship with Cersei, we all know what that is. So, um, yeah. But yeah, Jamie does treat Tyrion relatively normally compared to he most treats people. Him like a, he yeah, treats him like a they brother. act like brothers. Yeah, they act like actual brothers. And, uh, yeah, they're having breakfast, um, Cersei says that um, the king hasn't slept at all because he's taken the sorrow deeply to heart ab- yeah. about Bran, I guess. And uh, mm-hmm. Tyrion orders his breakfast from a servant. Bread, two of those little fish, and a mug of good dark beer to wash them down, and bacon burned black. Okay, it- so here's something about beer... A lot of people always make something about that. In medieval times, there was something called a short beer. Um, which, granted, who knows with Tyrion, he probably could have ordered a regular beer. But short beers were often very low alcohol content. Like, about the same or less than uh, the alcohol content of those not horrible non-alcoholic beers. And they're meant for... Which, by the way, those non-alcoholic beers do have enough alcohol content that uh, if you were to drink it, you know, you'd notice it a little bit, but it's very low. Very, very low. But if low. they taste as bad as they allegedly do, who would drink enough of them? Uh, people, people would drink things like that to for nourishment. It would literally just be bread juice. And yeah, there'd be some fermentation because of that. So, although Tyrion is the drinking in the morning in the stereotypical sense type. Yeah, having beer for breakfast in that kind of era is not... Well, that, that... beer, that beer for breakfast, well, it could have been very low alcohol content. Granted, knowing Tyrion, it probably wasn't, so... And, um... Uh, he even says a dark beer, so... Uh, you know, dark pretty much implies something pretty strong, so... Not necessarily the, the, the uh, regular beers would be, you know... Light beers, they'd be dark too, but you know, dark usually, when you say dark, you usually mean something like a tall beer or a regular beer, which implies alcohol content that's higher. And uh, regarding Tyrion's breakfast, a bit of trivia about the show Peter Dinklage, who plays Tyrion, is in real life a vegan. So any of the times you see him eating what looks like meat on the show, it's, you know, one of the artificial meats, like, you know, tofu shaped like. You know, whatever kind of meat he's supposed to be eating in character. Yeah. Um, which doesn't you know, have anything to do with the book, but uh, fun fact. And, um, okay, yeah, Tommen is asking about Bran. Um, yeah, Tommen, Joffrey's younger brother, is actually a decent kid. You know, he's just... He's pretty normal overall. Yeah, uh, He's uh, more obscure to a lot of people, but he is there. He's a, he's a character. Well, he is further down the line of succession. He's getting less attention at this point from both Cersei and Robert because he's not the crown prince. And unlike in most families, I would say that's actually a good thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, the less um, Cersei and Robert parenting, the better. Um, yeah, I fully agree with that. And, though, yeah, he's concerned about Bran. He doesn't want Bran to die because, you know, he's a decent 
kid who doesn't want people People to die, unlike Joffrey. Um... And this gets pointed out later on. And, um, yeah, Tyrion says that, um, the the maester, the maester Lewin, thinks that Bran is going to live. Yeah, and he even says that, and it's, it's, Uh, Tommen and Marcella are happy about that. All right, but one of the things that we should point out, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit, is that we should point out that, you know, while this is going on, there's the whole debate on whether or not Bran is going to live or die. That's what a lot of this chapter is, discussion of that. And, you know, Tyrion's being pretty casual about it. Of course, there's some question about how much he might comprehend or might imagine. But, of course, Cersei and Jaime are both honestly hoping Bran dies. Because Bran, Bran saw, saw what them. he's not supposed to see. He saw them doing... Uh, Doing things that are not exactly conventional between siblings, even by Westeros standards. So, Westeros, unless you're a Targaryen, even no incest still, is not approved of. Only the Targaryens. Down, well, it's still down upon. It's just like okay, that's just what they do. That's their thing. So. So yeah, you've got um, Cersei saying that. It's not a mercy that Bran is alive and that northern gods are cruel to let a child linger in such pain. Which, yeah, she is hoping Bran is going to die. She's not saying this out of any concern toward Bran. She's just, you know. Yeah. And um, Tyrion um, says that, you know, that well, you know what the maester said about Bran. His back is broken and his legs too. And they're Basically feeding him honey and water to keep him alive because he's unconscious and can't eat. Um, And, yeah, like the broken legs can heal, but broken back back then, yeah, if you survive, you're not going to walk again. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but... And um, about the wolves. The wolves outside the window are howling, and um, the maester thinks that his heart, Bran's heart is beating stronger when the wolves are howling and weaker when the wolves are um, being chased away from the window, and they come back. And, you know, Cersei is kind of creeped out by that and thinks there's something unnatural about those wolves, which I... Yes and no. I mean, a normal dog would be concerned outside the window, too. But, yeah, there is something magical well, about the wolves. She's well, right. that's, but that's um, what I'm confused. That's what I find interesting is that, you know, that's a foreshadowing that dire wolves are distinct in the fact that they're magical. So, again, going back to that difference that George R. R. Martin writes in, and then the characters seem to forget, but certain characters don't seem to. So, again, it seems that George R. R. Martin, you know, he is making the difference, and he is not just, you know, casually forgetting the difference. He remembers it, but the other characters do not seem to be aware of it. And Cersei's distrust of these wolves is going to continue to, yeah, unfortunately, be a thing with consequences later. Yeah, it's going to be a foreshadowing. 
as so many things in this book are, uh, you know, you can almost look at anything and realize it's pretty foreshadowing. Um, and, um, yeah, Tyrion is asking if they're leaving soon, and they're like, what, you're staying here? And um, Tyrion says that he's going to go north with Benjamin Stark and um, Jon Snow to the Night's Watch. Yeah. And Jamie asks him if he's thinking of taking the black joining and Tyrion's like no I'm not going to do well, that. Well it was, it was sort of a sarcastic banner. Going, yeah, back, it... to, going back though to Tyrion uh, there's a whole different thing of it was interesting is that Jamie said oh it's better that he die than live as a cripple so to say. Sorry you know that's that's the term they use uh, but the idea is that him being paralyzed is better than he die. And Tyrion says that death is more final and he doesn't seem to agree. And I think that's one of the reasons is that's the difference between the two brothers' stations in life. Jamie being, you know, good looking and pretty much, you know, quote unquote normal, whereas Tyrion is a um you know, he's he's lived with a dis you know, something that would be can arguably disability. Again, not not as bad that, off as Brown he can walk, but, but still but still something that's different looked down upon in that society. Again, not making a value statement one way or the other, just how Westeros society functions, so he understands and he would rather live with that handicap, again, for lack of a better word. That's sort of, you know, something that's different about him uh, and rejected by society. To which Jamie um, says, you are a perverse little imp, aren't you? Yeah, and, you know, again, that sort of goes back to the banter. It's still banter. More banter about that where uh, it's like, oh... He wants to go to um, the wall and uh, piss off the edge of the world. Yeah, uh, there's banter about him taking the black and, of course, as Sarah said, you know, no, he... Not, doesn't, not he doesn't want to go celibate and he wants to you know, sleep with sex workers. And, yeah. Which plenty of the men on the wall do. But but he wants to continue to do that because he has openly. a history of doing that. Well, he has a history of doing that. He's not going to... He's not going to change that. So, um... And... and uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, um... Tyrion is hoping that Bran does wake and he's very interested in what uh, he might have to say. Yeah, and that's of course when Tyrion you know, it says that his brother's smile curdled like sour milk. Tyrion, my sweet brother, he said darkly, there are times when you give me cause to wonder whose side you are on. Um, Yay, more foreshadowing. But I think Tyrion I feel like Tyrion is written as being clearly oblivious here. Um, he is not somebody who seems to understand that, you know, there is, that there is something at stake here. And, you know, Jamie seems to kind of be really implying that there is. I and, think Tyrion and, might be guessing a little bit. Maybe a little bit. I know. It's, I think he probably has an idea, but he can't quite uh, put his uh, put his finger on it. And of course, with Jamie, he knows. Seriously knows. Jamie knows. They are hoping Bran dies because they do not want what is going on to get out. Um, and the it concludes with Tyrion's mouth was full of bread and fish, and he 
took a swallow of the strong black beer. Again, it's a strong beer. It's a Grinned up dark wolfishly beer. at Jamie. Wolfishly. Uh, is this a stark reference or coincidence? Uh, yeah, well, it's probably a play on words for that. Um, and he says, Why, Jamie, my sweet brother, you wound me. You know how much I love my family. Of course, there's probably some sarcasm there oh, with of course. Cersei. Cersei. No, but, but not with him, because he and Jamie seem to genuinely be brothers. But, you know, of course, with uh, Tywin uh, and Cersei, no, the answer is no, of course he doesn't. So. And, um, yeah, that concludes this chapter. Um I think we've pretty much gone over everything we can with it, but do you have any more? No, that's it. All right, and uh, thank you for listening to Cast It Into the Fire. Good night. Good night.